you have to remember always as a premium brand, your customer is always your priority. You know, they are your first most important touch point. Making sure you have a very customer centric mindset is so crucial. Hi, I'm Angelica Bell and welcome to the show. Now, whether you're an aspiring startup, a savvy small business or leading an established enterprise, we want to bring you inspiring stories and fresh knowledge that will help you grow in confidence. Join me as I speak to successful entrepreneurs and leaders and find out how they overcame obstacles and grabbed opportunities to help their businesses thrive. You can also catch Holly Mackay and Ashita Cabra-Davies on our extra show as they talk about trending issues faced by businesses everywhere. Well, joining me is Akash Mehta, the CEO of Fable and Main. Now, Akash has a background in growth and digital marketing as he's worked for major brands like Dior and Estee Lauder. And we're going to be discussing the impacts of business growth and resilience during a cost of living crisis and how to take advantage of them. Akash, it's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me and what an honour. Well, let's start off by giving us sort of a 60 second roundup of your business now, Fable and Main, what it's about and how you got there. All right, let's do it. 60 seconds. So <laughs> uh, Fable and Main, <laughs> I'll try. You know, put the camera on. Um, so Fable and Main, it, it's a modern hair wellness brand and it's truly inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Uh, it's founded by myself and my sister, Nikita. And we're truly on a mission to bring the Ayurvedic wisdom that we grew up with for the whole world to enjoy. And the story began you know, with our own roots. Our grandma used to come from India, uh, bring these incredible like Indian adaptogens and plant roots and massage them into her hair often at night and while she would massage these oils she would read us fascinating stories so story time and hair care rituals is what we grew up with and thus the name fable and main story and hair came around and in building fable you know we wanted to um, bring products you know vegan cruelty free clean conscious but also we saw a gap in the market for a conscious storytelling brand um, and also, you know, beyond formulating responsibly, we are committed to the wild, helping big cats and wildlife conservation. Um, so that's that's Fable and Main in a nutshell. Oh, you did that very well, very well. And do you know what I love as well? It's <laughs> it it's about your extended family as well. Every you know, everything about you is about heritage, culture, yeah. family. You know, all those things that are so important to people. Hundred percent, and I think it, it stems as well, and I get more fueled as my years goes on because having worked in the industry, you know, in the likes of Dior and Estee Lauder, I saw a huge lack of representation in my in my culture and you know South Asian, and I felt the need. Um, there's so much richness with our heritage that I felt the need to be a conduit to the world of what we what we've had for generations, and for everyone to learn about them and and to enjoy them too. Well, it is a successful business and it was launched in early 2020. And I assume you felt the impact of the first wave of lockdowns like many other businesses out there. How did you feel just starting up and having to deal with not just a business issue, but a life-changing event that happened throughout the world? It was definitely tough at times, but also a huge opportunity as well for the business because, um, so, you know, a year before or two years before we were conceiving the idea. So although we launched day one 
in the probably the, the heart of the pandemic uh, when things were closing down and lockdowns were happening. Uh, the brand was obviously um, all our plans were made before that. Um, but because we had a different approach where, you know, it's at home rituals, it's something that was targeted for people to enjoy within their own spaces. And I also with my experience in digital marketing, really wanted to have a digital first approach in launching this brand. So kind of in a fortuitous way, it was um, actually the perfect moment to launch because salons were closed. You know, people were going more into mindful practices and at-home rituals and Fable and Main, which had a very strong digital strategy at the beginning, was sort of at the perfect place. We did obviously have plans to, you know, launch in brick and mortar, especially, you know, launching day one at Sephora in the US in store and online. So we had to just be agile, you know, be very um, on our feet, making decisions in the moment, uh, hiring people remotely and just figuring out this um, new landscape as everyone else in the industry had to. So I guess that the heart of your business was all about being at home anyway, even though you said, you know, bricks and mortar, you, that was one of the plans. So you were coming from it at a different angle or perspective so it worked it worked and we didn't really need to change much we just had to stay reactive and keep on listening because obviously at that time we didn't know if it was a one month two month or ended up being you know years we just didn't know so we had to keep our eyes on the ground and always listen to what the consumer wanted and needed and at that time it was you know digital content and talking to them in their own you know their own spaces their own homes but what was it about your approach to winning customers during that period that has been successful and and also moving forward how are you going to adapt now that things are sort of getting back on track yeah it's it's really interesting we had to um again listen to what the ways and you know, what kind of communication uh, manners would they want to be spoken to and for us it was definitely the digital lens of social media um, so we did a lot of um, you know we started TikTok that was a really new way people liked ephemeral quick bite-sized content we did a lot of live streaming uh, that was a way to connect especially putting myself and my sisters uh, you know myself and my sister as founders um, on the the map of Fable and Maine to understand that we're here to educate so a lot a lot of you know, live streaming and talking. Um, we did also quite a few, I think, creative um, outlets like Clubhouse was a new uh, app that was launched. And, you know, we went onto WhatsApp community groups and we did little like Zoom meetups with communities and friends. So we just found a very kind of, I guess you could say, 360 approach in digital to win customers at that time because that was all we really could do. Mm -hmm. And digital marketing is your strength. So, I mean, you were just probably at home. Yeah. I think also for founders, they have to put themselves out there a little bit more now. People want to see the face behind brands, don't they? 100%. I mean, I've created a podcast called Founded Beauty, and it's truly just about having founders of beauty brands at the forefront. And I really do believe, having worked in big conglomerates um, that have more of a CEO figure, not a founder figure, that the founder-led approach is the future because people want to resonate and connect with their authentic why, their story, um, but also have a figure that they can, or figures that they can relate to and even hold accountable to, you know, like if something, if they want to ask a question, if they want to learn why this product is working in this way, I think the founder needs to be at the forefront of all their communication metrics. At the beginning, obviously mm -hmm. as it scales into a giant, it's hard to control that and be everywhere. And that's where you build your team with you. Um, but 100%. Founder-led businesses, I think, are so pivotal today in the landscape. Well, obviously, retaining customers in a cost-of-living crisis is difficult. Um, 
But Akash, can you tell us your best three tips that have helped you when growing your customer base, especially now at this time? Yeah, so I mean, I guess if we narrow it down into three ways, I think the first is it's really important to uh, collate. And so collation would be my first tip where you have to think about all your touch points, either that you're currently um, hitting or you would like to hit. Uh, so for example, we forget we have social media accounts with X followers. There is some data and customers there. You have your customer base to buy your products, whether it's your retail channels or whether it's your D2C channel. Um, but you also have new metrics, whether you want to start hitting SMS or you want to start doing lead generation ads to get more emails. Like, there's so many ways to get customers, but collating them and ideally collating them into one centralized point of you know, space um, is so important because data capturing here is going to lead to the most successful communication long term. So once you've collated, um, then I think it's all about communication because you've got to talk to them. So for me, it's really about having that personal approach, uh, trying A-B testing different ways of communicating. For example, do you communicate with um, an email blast and is it how frequent? Do you communicate with live streaming or Q&As? Um, so we did a lot of A-B testing at Fable in Maine and found... Um, kind of all of them had relevancy. Um, so therefore it led me to my third tip, which is segmentation, because you know you can communicate in a lot of different ways, but you need to understand who wants to be communicated in what specific way, because some people don't want to receive an email every day, but some do. So segmentation was then very important for us. So how do you segment the audience you already have and you already communicate to, to better understand them? So ways could be, you know, doing surveys, asking your audience, how do you want to be communicated to? You know, do you want to receive this and do you want to receive that? But also looking at the data. So, you know, we had tools like Klaviyo or, you know, other email marketing tools that already automatically with a form of machine learning can segment for you, you know, your VIP customers, your repeat buyers um, and the audiences of location based as well. So three tips, collation, communication and segmentation. So what you're saying is sometimes it's really important to put that much, you know, effort and study into the data so that you're not wasting time or for the success of your business. 100%. I think also, um, you know, I saw so many sides in my corporate career where we didn't either do enough data capturing and that led to not being able to speak effectively or making decisions very top down and not really resonating with your core customers. But I also saw a lot of data capturing, a lot of time wasting on capturing data, but not implementing the, the learnings, right? It was like I spent months on presentations and then no one ended up actuating or doing it. Uh, so I think it's really important if you're going to capture data and you're going to have a very data-led approach, you have an implementation mechanism as well associated with it and you actually do what your data is telling you. Well, growing a business like yours in the current market, like we've discussed, it's, you know, it's a difficult time. You know, you're a luxury brand. How do you stay resilient when trying to improve your relationship with your current customers? And then also for me, you know, which I find quite interesting is how do you attract new ones? No, I mean, a great question. I think before I, you know, go into that, I think it's important first to know your positioning as a brand. Uh, so we, you know, when creating a business and creating a brand, when it comes to the pricing and also the type of product you want to create, you have to decide, you know, do you want to create a mass, a mastige, a prestige, a super luxe? What kind of brand are you trying to create? And 
and every has a every you know every type of brand has a place in the market. So for us, we had kind of our ideal target, I guess, audience. Um, and for us, we knew we wanted to make a sort of luxury brand because we didn't feel like a South Asian uh, heritage brand was filled in this place. And also, um, yeah, we did want to launch in the likes of Sephora. It was our dream retailer, and our price point is pretty, you know, similar to all the other brands on the retail platform. But I think in terms of the three ways that, you know, we were stay resilient, would, one is transparency. So I think we had to make sure that we were communicating to our audiences, our, either our target audience or the audiences that would still be touched, but might not be our target initially, but might, you know, could be potentially. So we had to explain to them why is it, you know, this price and the fact that we have some really, you know, uh, difficult and hard to source raw ingredients that can cost more. We had a lot more efficacious products and ingredients. Um, we didn't, you know, we went for good packaging and sustainable packaging. So all of that comes at a cost. Um, so that was something really important to communicate, to be transparent. Um, even the labs were using the chemists, the Ayurvedic doctors. Then I think education was really important. So making sure we understand and people understand why a lot goes a long way with this product, how actually, you know, having this product is slow growth, you'll see actual positive change based on clinical testings and trials. Because um, sometimes, you know, you could pick up a $10 shampoo, but if it does nothing, you're throwing it away. Better invest in a $30 one and see a lot more value in that. So, trans, you know, education was important. And the third, I think, would be trust. So whether we use um, either the vehicles of, like, you know, for education would be either like influencers or our testimonials from our real, you know, our customers. Um, we really found that was really important to get that trust and loyalty. Um, and even us as founders, you know, me and my sister putting ourselves forward. So I think transparency is important, education and trust to stay resilient. Yeah. And no, so what you're saying is knowing your brand, knowing where you want to target that brand and knowing what those consumers want and just saying, listen, we think our product is brilliant and this is why you should invest in it, basically. And then if even if they think, okay, you think that, that's great. And I'm like, well, also this person thinks yeah. it too. Um, and, you know, both, you, you get the celebrities, but, you know, they get hit, hit the masses and the reach. And but obviously sometimes the, they can get a little bit, people can doubt their intentions if they're paid or, you know, does, is, it, is it really true? But then you also match it up with the consumers, the verified purchasers, the buyers, you know, and that's how you communicate. Well, look, it's obvious that digital marketing is your expertise. But how have you been improving the Fable and Main digital presence over the last two years? And what would you recommend that all businesses do to improve theirs? So I will say, like, I, I thank you for that as well. Like, I do feel like I have a strong digital knowledge, but it's always changing because the landscape is so fast and ever evolving. So I'm just as good as I was, like, you know, yesterday I have to keep on learning. So, you know, when I started in digital marketing, I didn't know what TikTok was. And that wasn't really a strategy when building Fable in Maine. And then suddenly seeing the success in it, I've invested heavily into it. So I think they're so important to remember, like, you need to always learn and listen when it comes to digital. Um, I've had, you know, five years working in the industry. And what I learned there, unfortunately, you know, working some of the big companies using big budgets to try a lot of different digital techniques, I found the most successful one for me was... Um, working with the right influencers and right, you know, um, social media channels and focus on social commerce because you have the highest ROI there, especially on the likes of TikTok, um, based on your investment to output ratio. But also you need to make sure you're doing it with the right influencers. So for me, I was very fortunate to build affiliate marketing at Dior. I still 
own the affiliate program for them. So I've got great data and knowledge. Um, so I know, you know, who are the right influencers that have a loyalty to the audience and convert. Um, and then the second thing is how do you work with them, making sure that they have their authentic story, let them be uh, the, you know, the ones in the driving seat of the of the communication, not you setting too many rules because it doesn't translate and resonate with their audience. And then making sure you have a conversion piece on it, whether it's a checkout code or a trackable link, because people you know, need to feel incentivized to purchase. So I think for me, social commerce with influencer and affiliate marketing would be my main best tip for everyone to invest in first, um, if they want to have a quick growth and maybe smart growth as well. Okay. But I mean, it seems like everything's going so well. You've got everything covered. Oh my gosh, it's, you know. But at the end of the day, soaring energy prices, you know, production prices, I mean, that could have an impact on your business um, and also customers, what they can afford and, you know, whether they'll invest in you. Um, how are you going to look at that? Are you thinking of maybe you having to reduce prices or make changes? Has any of that come into your your plan? with one success as five failures attached to it and I'm learning and growing and it's my first rodeo you know I've never built a brand before so I'm learning as I'm going one step at a time but uh, I think you know that kind of connects to the question you asked where um, I have noticed and obviously I've launched a brand in the pandemic where there was already this kind of soaring prices uh, freight especially air freight was at a you know three to five x if not 10x a high um, so I didn't this was the new norm for me. So for me, I had to realize, and now seeing this in the last two years, that I get like my stakeholders, my suppliers, my um, whether it's my raw material suppliers, whether it's my uh, distribution centers or the, the freight forwarders or even UPS, they're just you know sl- uh, slapping us with new bills, increasing costs every single week even. And right. it's not even a question. It's like, here you go. Here's a uh, 10 cents extra you got to pay or $10 extra. And as a business, you can't really spend time. We don't even, you won't even win if you say, hey, no, I don't want to pay that because there isn't really agreements in place. You just got to accept it. So what happens a lot is definitely today, and I'm speaking to a lot of my founders in the space, um, our cost of goods are not where they were and maybe should be. They're a lot more expensive due to, you know, all these increased costs that we can't control, definitely heavily affected because of the pandemic. And, you know, we've stayed often like price neutral because what you set your price in you don't really often change it so as a small and I guess even fast growing business I've had to have this opportunity cost of do I spend the time auditing and focusing on rechanging the price at this early stage or do I just go ahead acquire new customers grow the business and then later with you know a bit of a transparent approach and speak to our customers and say look this is the deal I have to increase I've chosen the latter, which is focus on just growth and just moving forward because um, I am a customer first brand. I think you can see by this conversation. I don't really feel comfortable increasing the price yet. I'd rather lose margin as a founder and deliver the best product for a good price. So I don't think I'm there yet. But of course, I'll have my CFO or my COO have that decision later on when um, they say, look, Akash, love what you want to do. You're great, but business needs a bit more margins and a bit more help so keeping my eyes open but not today Akash we've seen a huge change in consumer habits more so in the beauty and fashion industry as people adapted to home life and are now starting to live with no more restrictions how do you tap into changing consumer behaviors it's a great question I think first um, especially as a as a brand owner you've got to understand 
who is your consumer. So once you know who you're speaking to, because everyone is quite different and have all unique needs, I think it's about having that open communication with them. Um, you know, we're always evolving and changing, whether it's ourselves as, as humans of changing, but also our environments that we can't control, like the pandemic. So I think if you're not um, listening consistently and having an agile approach to your business where you're able to make quick changes and adapt, you will really struggle today. You know, before working in big conglomerates, it was sort of like we made a plan six months to a year in advance and there was no change once it was signed off. And I think that is wrong now. I think today I, with my team, I say, let's plan for six months, but we will, we'll revisit it every week. We might need to change it. We might need to adapt it, you know? So I think that's very important is making sure internally in your organization, you're very agile and externally, you're always listening. And this is a question that I was thinking about just now. You know, obviously things changed. People were spending more time at home. You know, although we had the pandemic, people were looking, had more time to sort of investigate what was better for them, what made them feel good. Um, and so the, you know, your sector of business really thrived. hundred percent. I mean, we talk about it both. I mean, we, I consider Fable and Maine a, a hair wellness brand. So both from the hair, the beauty part where people were investing more um, into that kind of long-term fix of you know let's fix the hair from within uh let's also try new beauty routines and rituals because we had more time at home i wasn't always on the go so we can invest in ourselves a bit more but also in the wellness part right people were really adopting mindful um, routines whether it was meditation yoga fitness at home so i think this prioritization of you really came around during the pandemic because we were at home often alone and with ourselves so um it was sort of like a crazy thing because you think that that should be so easy to prioritize yourself but we still don't and i'll tell you like i'm struggling now like i kind of miss sometimes the the pandemic a bit i have huge fomo right like i want to go out i want to travel if i get an opportunity let's take it but actually i do miss those times of prioritizing myself and being in my own space so yeah i think it's important to remind remember what we had and try to stick to that because it did bring us joy when you put yourself first what about for premium brands like yours fable and main you know you know where do you think they're going to go you know how are they going to win and retain customers in the future i think just having a really personal approach um, connecting with your audience because loyalty can be so fickle sometimes people can be loyal but if you do one thing wrong especially today they will run to another brand so i think you have to remember always as a premium brand which often people can forget working in these companies your customer is always your priority you know they are your first most important touch point um so i think uh making sure you have a very customer-centric mindset in all your business premium or mass or whatever is so crucial so i think um listening always communicating with them and having that transparent open communication portal um is so so key so ways to do that could be for example having a live chat function having um i have my you know my personal instagram as a founder available for anyone to message or email me any questions um so i think that is very important today do you think that the consumer is less forgiving when it comes to premium brands because the expectation is higher so you you have got to be on it all the time i think collect uh, as a whole 
Yes, I think because obviously they're paying a premium for the product, so they do affect, they do expect a sort of, um, uh, I guess, a, a higher, a better experience and um, a better, I guess, communication with the brand. So you do have to go a step further um, to make sure you are um, really taking the, the consumer at the best journey they can. But having said that, I do think even um, a less premium brand should also have the same mindset because yeah. at the end of the day, no matter if you're spending. 10 pounds or 100 pounds you want to offer always as a brand owner as a founder you know you want to offer the best experience for anyone experiencing your brand now you've had incredible success and acknowledge that you've been very lucky in life both with your support network and opportunities so do you feel it's important that you pay that forward no i think no but that's also why today i spend my time working a lot with like students and like i've been helped a lot in my life so at this stage if i don't pass you know, help others especially younger entrepreneurs and 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 especially students that's my, my main thing they're really lost and a lot of my audience is in India and they're all often going to me saying I want to move I want to leave and that's my duty now I feel is I'm not duty but that's also my desire is I just want to work on that because I've been very privileged and I have to accept that and Oh, thank you so much. You've been amazing. amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today and our amazing guest, Akash Mehta, for this episode. Next week, join Holly and Ashita on our extra show as they discuss keeping customers in a cost of living crisis, plus three actionable steps you can take. And if today's episode has inspired you, head to our website to find out more insights and potential solutions that could help you take action today. Until next time.